Welcome to the Profit First REI podcast, where real estate investors master financial management, eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, and learn to be profitable from day one. Now for your host, David Richter. Hey everyone, this is David Richter with the Profit First REI podcast with a very special interviewee today. We have the author of Profit First and really why we have this podcast too. There wouldn't be this podcast without it, without him. And I really appreciate him being on. We have Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First. You want to say hey to everyone, Mike? I sure do, David. Thanks for having me. And uh, hey, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And we're really appreciative because you've definitely changed a lot of lives in the entrepreneurial world. And for those of you who don't know Mike, or this might be your first introduction to him, he's written a bunch of of business books. He's written The Pumpkin Plan, Profit First, Fix This Next. And he's got several others that you should really check out his website. And you should check out Mike and all the books he's written. I've read every single one of them. They're all great and all have their purposes. But this is about profit at first. And he's literally, I think the last time you had said there was several hundred thousand businesses that had implemented the profit first system. Is that about right, Mike? Yeah, we're now, it's hard to estimate. So it's not like each one contacts us, right. um, but our estimates are it's over 350,000 businesses now. Wow. And we think it's, um, it's about, it's increasing maybe 25,000 new companies each month are, are doing it. That's wow. very hard to estimate, but we base upon the number of book sales that we have out there. And then we also tie it back to implementations that we have through our Profit First Professional Membership to get a gauge. And we think it's pretty realistic. And it definitely has an international appeal. So there's, there's more than just, it's being done more than just in the U.S. Yes, that is truly, you've truly started a movement. And I love that your tagline, eradicating entrepreneurial property, mm-hmm. and you're really doing it. You're really going out there. And that's a that's a huge number of businesses that have implemented it. So first of all, we just want to thank you for writing that book and for getting it into the people's hands. And now there's, in our specific niche in real estate investing, it's already made a huge ripple in there too. And we wanted to say thank you first, first out, oh, out of the gate. Well. Yeah, so thank you. It's my joy. And uh, I'll tell you, when, at least for me, when I found that purpose to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty, when that really landed with me now about 12 years ago, uh, it just became clear that regardless of my success or progress, perhaps is a better word, or slowdowns, I just feel compelled to stick with it. So I plan to be on this journey until my final breath on our planet. Awesome. So would you say that is your big why then? That's really why you're. Why you no question about it. Yeah, that, yeah. That's my life's why. And you know, it's, it's interesting about business. Business really becomes an amplification, I feel, of our why. So when we get coherent with what our life's purpose is and see our business as a platform for that, you can really shift things. You can really have great impact. And great impact doesn't necessarily mean touch thousands or hundreds of thousands of lives. That, that's definitely one way, but it could be the depth of our impact too. You know, just doing something that's so remarkable for just even one other person is serving purpose, in my opinion. Yeah, that is such a, that's so true. And with Profit First, I love it too, because you have to be profitable in order to reach your why. You're, unless you're, you're going to be stressed out, you're not going to be able to reach that big why. 
if you don't have true profitability. And I think that's what really struck a chord with a lot of people is that they were beating themselves over the head with their business and dreading going to work because they weren't, it wasn't fulfilling the purpose that they had originally intended for it. And then when they go deeper and say, this is what I really want to do, they realize they have to be profitable. They have to serve people. They have to make sure that they know their numbers. So I think profit first shine a light, even a deeper light and going deeper into their businesses too. You know, I, thank you. I, I really do believe that profit is a responsibility we have. Like you, you isn't something that we just simply want. It's something that is required because the only way to be sustainable is to be profitable. Mm-hmm. And no matter what we do, if we want to have impact, we got to be around to do it. Right. You know, sadly, there's these not-for-profits that start with great vision. We're going to cure a disease. We're going to save lives. And they don't consider profitability. It's our charity, after all. And they just worry about, you know, if they if we build it, they will come. And they don't. And sadly, I think many for-profit businesses should be relabeled as not-for-profit. We have great vision without great execution because there's no money. So you have to be profitable. It is necessary. It's critical. It's the lifeblood of a business, honestly. Yeah, it really is. And I love that that the whole framework around that is to be profitable because you have to be profitable, not just to stay in business, but to accomplish what you truly want to accomplish. So it is definitely the lifeblood and pumps it into to make sure that you can reach your purpose. But speaking of money and having money in the accounts and all that, the real estate investors, I feel like, are... The, especially being one myself and then going into and helping the businesses now where a lot of people have, they have the money in their account, their one account, and they feel like they're okay. But then Profit First really shines the light once they actually dive into that and they see, okay, what are the skeletons in the closet? Am I living deal to deal, check to check? So they really, the Profit First really shines a light on that. So I, I'd like to ask you just some questions about Profit First and real estate, if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, let's do it. So real estate investors use debt all the time. You know, they're buying houses. So I just yeah. wonder what your thoughts are on using the debt that way or using debt as a real estate investor. Well, I'm not anti-debt, but I'm not pro-debt either. I'm kind of right. uh, in the middle. I'm ambivalent. But I do believe debt has certain applications. So there's a thing called debt leveraging. And, and everyone I know is familiar with the term. Very few people are familiar with the definition. So people just use it as a carte blanche explanation of borrowing money. I'm going to do a debt leverage. The intention of debt leveraging, the definition is that there is a predictable and expected return on borrowed money within a period of time. For example, if, if David, you give me $1 and I know with high, high degree of probability that in one month I'll have $2 as a result of using that $1, that's debt leveraging. I'm using money I don't have to make even more money and therefore I'm able to pay you back plus the interest I owe you and have a net positive profit. That's debt leveraging. There's also this thing called debt. And and so sadly, in every industry I've investigated, very few people do debt leveraging. It's more like pot shots. Like, oh, I'll borrow money with the hope of making money. There's really no predictability, but I'll say there is. Then there's also what's called debt bridging. Debt bridging done by businesses or even our personal lives is to bridge a period of time where money is constrained or less available but there's a predictable recovery period. So when the COVID pandemic struck, people borrowing the PPP loans thought they were doing debt bridging. They really weren't though, because debt bridging is now you, you get money that bar, that can afford you more time, but there was no predictable end game. Like when was this going to be over? 
Well, no one knew that. And, and we still don't know as, a, as we're this recording. So people got a bridge to nowhere. We went halfway out to this chasm and now businesses are falling off the chasm because that cash ran out. So they've moved into, and sadly a lot of people move into the third category that I call debt anchoring. Debt anchoring is where we take money without a predicted end game, without a predicted return, and therefore we exhaust that debt and now put us in a position where we're in further trouble. We're actually not leveraged, we're deleveraged. So now the business is under more and more constraint. And that's why I am ambivalent about debt. I think it can be powerful when used appropriately. I think most of the time, maybe upwards of like 95% of the time, it's really a debt anchor and the business is in a worse position as a result. I totally agree with that because most investors have one bank account that they put where they get a, a lot of private money and it goes into that bank account and they think they're okay, but they're not actively tracking the money versus what they're into that specific project. So it's like they just have this one account, everything goes in there, and then they're just using the lender's funds for operations. And it's like, okay, you're getting yourself into a bigger hole and you don't have a plan for that money. That's why I love Profit First because one of the first accounts we set up with investors is like an OPM account or a rehab account or project account that we call it. And all the lender's funds go in there so they can see their own funds versus the lender's funds. And so that way they don't have this just big mixed pot. And that's helped a lot of investors. And I, and that really helps them see, is it debt leverage or am I just, yeah. is it that debt anchor? You know, like, is it just going to drag me down and, you know, eventually I'll be out of business. But I love the way that you put that because a lot of people go into it, especially in the investing world. They know that they're usually going to have to use borrowed money. So yeah. going into it's thinking, I need to be able to leverage every dollar and not use this just to eat then I think that's a big mindset shift in the whole investing world. Yeah, there's this concept called Parkinson's law that speaks to human nature and why we behave like we behave. And what Parkinson's law is, uh, he was a behavioral theorist, uh, I think in the 1950s. And he realized that in many applications, it's human nature that as a supply of a resource increases, that our demand or consumption for that supply increases. Now, his studies were mostly around time. So if you and I were negotiating some kind of project and I said, hey, I'll get you that the deal parameters in the next week or so, it will take me a week or so to get those deal parameters. Now, if you and I, the same guys are having the same conversation around the same parameters, but I say, I'll get to you tomorrow, I'll likely get to you tomorrow. So as we constrain the amount of time that's available to get something done, we more work more efficiently with the time that's remaining. Well, this is true for time, but it's also true for money. So as more money is made available in our lives and our business, we spend that way. And uh, I bet you a lot of real estate investors can relate to this. It's almost uncanny. The bigger the deals you have, the more cash flow you have running through your business, you're not more profitable. You spend more, almost at the exact same rate. Every time a dime comes in, a dime goes out. And it seems like it's like some kind of supernatural force that's doing this. Well, that supernatural force is us. It's Parkinson's law. As we see more, we spend more. So with Profit First, by dividing up those accounts, if you have a singular account, you know, pre-Profit First, we'll see it and subconsciously our mind will say, that's what we have to spend, let's spend it all. And we'll justify by saying we're using it to grow, we're plowing back into the business. But instead, if we allocate money to its intended use before we spend money, meaning we set these multiple accounts with different intended use, then we work within the constraints of Parkinson's law. You know, a $1,000 deposit comes in. We don't have $1,000 to spend necessarily. We may carve it up and see there's 
$400 to spend or $300 to spend because other money has been allocated to things like profit or tax reserve, maybe even to you know, buy future properties. We add additional accounts to those capital expenditures we have, the inventory we need to turn. So when you allocate money to its intended use first, you have clarity on what's available and you start working within the confines of what you can use in the business and not use up everything that's intended for other purposes too. Yeah, love it. Because that's definitely a trap that a real estate investor can get into. I have a couple other questions here that a lot of investors have multiple entities that they set up because they're some of them do like fixing and flipping and buy and holds. And so they have different entities. Do you recommend that they set up all the accounts for the each entities if they're treating them like different businesses? Yeah. And I know some people hear that like, oh my God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> like I gotta track all these accounts. I can't do this. It's really the setup that can be the nuisance. And honestly, it's maybe a couple hours of your time invested once and the returns are for the rest of your life. So in the picture of things, a couple hours is well worth the investment stamp for these accounts for each distinct business. But the reason we do it is important. If you blend all these businesses into the five foundational accounts that we call or whatever, however many accounts you set up, it is impossible to distinguish them from the cash flow. What of those businesses are really driving profit and what's not? So instead, for each business, we set up the five accounts. And then what you see is, oh, that one business I had that I thought was making money actually is a drain. And I'm having to pull money from another company to pay for that business. So we have absolute clarity. So yes, you do awesome. need to set up multiple accounts to know what money is coming from what business and what businesses are consuming what cash. I love it. Yeah, we have one client right now that has about five different entities and they're setting them up for all you know, like the foundational accounts for all the entities, plus a couple extra ones that they're starting off with too. And that they've already, because they already implemented it with two entities. And they said, we're being proactive instead of reactive. We're not just looking at our our numbers at the end of the month. We now know, do we have the money for this next month or do we have reserves? And so they're being proactive about it. And they, they were like, yeah, it takes some time to set it up. But now we spend 15 minutes, you know, going through doing the allocations, knowing like which companies are profitable, which ones aren't. So I, I think I love it. I love the whole system and it's working with people that have multiple entities. So thank you so much for clarifying on that too. So a couple, just a couple last questions here. Is there anything you can think of that a real estate investor should avoid when implementing profit first? Yeah. So we should avoid kind of arbitrary roll the dice type of investments. Now I'm not saying don't be speculative, but what happens with profit first is you'll start constraining how much money is available for your business. You'll have less to spend. And some people get nervous about that. They say, but but I need everything to spend because I got to find the deals that are out there. And we start becoming hyper-speculative, which puts us at a major risk. Here's the great irony, David. I told you, we have 350,000 plus businesses doing this. We have thousands of different case studies and reports. And what we've discovered consistently is businesses that take a profit first and constrain the money available to operate the business actually grow faster than their contemporaries. What happens is you stop taking unnecessary risk. If, if I had $1,000 to spend, I'll spend $1,000. When I have $100 to spend, well, now I can only spend 100 So where is the most prudent place to put it? The $1,000 lets me kind of spread the money out. 100 makes me be very specific about determining the ROI before I spend a dime. So it's interesting that businesses that reduce how much money they're spending, enhancing their profit, actually becomes more selective than what they're doing, and they start growing faster. They make better deals than their contemporaries. So that's, that's how you leverage it. 
Awesome. How about when it comes to profit first and real estate investing, any other tips to give our listeners? Yeah. So I would suggest get the foundational five going, but first start really slow and just get one account. So if you're brand new to profit first as a real estate investor, I wouldn't set up the five accounts at the main bank and the two accounts at the second bank because it may overwhelm you. It may be too much of a shift from how you've been running your business to this new standard that I promise will serve you better, but maybe it's better to dip your toe in the water. So I tell everyone to do, and there's no excuse not to do this, do spend the 10 minutes to set up one account and call it profit. Allocate 1% of your money. So as money comes in, the $1,000 comes in, now I'm saying put $10 in your profit account. That's such a small amount that's inconsequential on the impact of how you operate your business. It's highly consequential in the fact that you'll start having a profit allocated. And when you see that cash accumulating profit just for you to take out and do what you want with it, then we start becoming uh, excited about the system and start rolling out the full system. So start slow and let it grow. And the last component is your industry is unique. You do have big capital expenditures when you're buying new properties and so forth. So the five foundational accounts are simply that, they're foundational. Over time, when you really get into it, you may add a sixth or a seventh account, or you may be the oddball like myself, who's 13 accounts for my business. But it's given me absolute clarity on what money is available for what purpose. And I've run my business extremely profitably as a result. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Mike. We really appreciate all the the tips you've given for real estate investors. And the last question we always ask is, how can people provide value to you, our listeners? I know that you just came out with a book, Fix This Next. I'm a huge fan of it. I, Even in my own business, I knew which level I needed to start off at. And now we're implementing that and going hard after the levels because you talk about almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs there, but for businesses. So I love the Fix This Next book. I highly recommend you getting that book. But Mike, do you want to direct people how they can either get the book or what they could provide value for to you? Yeah, yeah. So, so thank you for asking that. And that's a great way of asking that question because this would be of great service to me. So it's a selfish request, but it will be helpful. But there's two, another reason too, beyond selfish, I think it'll be of service. So if people decide to pick up a copy of Fix This Next, I encourage you to go on Amazon specifically to get it. And if, if you're anti-Amazon, you can get elsewhere for sure. But here's the two reasons. One is I spent five years writing that book. I devoted a lot of research and study to it. I am extremely proud of the book. I think it's actually the most imperative and important work I've done up to this point. So it's the greatest way I can be of service to readers. It's $25. It's actually probably less than that. And it's five years of work in there that will be of service to you. I'm convinced of it. My selfish reason, perhaps the greater reason from, from my perspective is if you get the book on Amazon it triggers the Amazon algorithm to market it to other entrepreneurs of all types. So honestly, if you get it, it also serves me in spreading the word. And that would be a huge service. Awesome. Well, you heard it right here. You need to go out and buy Fix This Next from Amazon. That would help Mike. And he's been such a huge help to us. I know that we can go out there en masse in the real estate investing world and do that for him. So Mike, we really appreciate you being on this podcast and coming on and sharing your wisdom today. And we really appreciate you. David, this has been a joy. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you found this episode valuable, could you do me a quick favor? Can you give us an honest rating within iTunes? And be honest, you could say whether you liked it or not. And obviously with iTunes, the more reviews and ratings we have, the better it is for other people that are searching for Profit First and a podcast. So we'd love to be ranked on there. And that's thanks to your help. So we would really appreciate that if you would like to go give us a rating. 
Also, if you're looking to connect with us further, I would highly recommend checking out our Facebook group, Profit First for Real Estate Investors. And that's literally what it's called. So you can type in Profit First for Real Estate Investors and you'll be able to find our Facebook group right there. So come join active real estate investors who are supporting each other and growing their businesses and profits together. That's what that group is all about. The link should be in the description below. And if you're interested in working with us and implementing profit first in your real estate business, we offer coaching and guidance. So if you want to work with someone who's actually profit first certified and who works right now currently with real estate businesses, you can actually go start your application process by going to simplecfosolutions.com forward slash apply or just go right to simplecfosolutions.com and there's an apply button right on there. If you want to actually start your profit first journey with someone who can actually walk you through those step by step and help you know and grow your cash flow. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Profit First REI podcast. See you next episode.